this is a funny time between Easter and Mother's Day, and I'm trying to sandwich some things in for getting into Corinthians because I want to get back to Corinthians. And so um, to prepare us for what's coming up in Corinthians, I've got this uh, message today is challenging cultural compromise. And so as we think about uh, all that Paul had to deal with in setting up the churches that he was going through, uh, when you think about what his job description would have been, and remember, he doesn't have the established church. He's planting churches and trying to educate Gentiles who have no 2,000-year history. <clears throat> and so he's starting from scratch. And yet, as he goes into um, the Corinth, the city of Corinth, there are some real challenges in this church. And the challenges are that, that there are a lot of baggage that young believers are bringing into the church, immature people and, and influenced in so many ways uh, and tempted by compromise. And so as <clears throat> Paul, you would think about his prayer life, uh, you would constantly think about how he would want the peace of mind, to have the mind of Christ, like Isaiah said, that's, that's steadfast of mind. It's a mindset. It's a worldview. It's a thinking about the, the, what Jesus would talk about the Father. It says, but the steadfast mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. And the goal for Paul was to have men and women come to trust Christ, love Christ with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, so that they would be redeemed, restored people in that place without compromise. <clears throat> and yet as Paul would go through all these stories, and, and as we get into some of them today, you'll see that Paul would always be aware of the fact that there's a reality pressing in on the church. When he left the Ephesian church, <clears throat> like he left others, he was very much aware that there's a spiritual battle going on. And as he says, be on guard for yourselves in Acts 20, 28 to 32. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of, church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul was, says, Paul was very much aware that there need to be uh, a sensitized, a trained, discerning spirit because there are influences that are coming in. And so he says, therefore, be on the alert Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Hear his heart there. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so for Paul, Paul understood something that, that Daniel in 11.32, let me find this verse, uh, interesting, Daniel in the Old Testament has this little phrase. I want to underline it for you. In 1132, Daniel says, By smooth words, 
he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. Get the next part. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. In other words, there will be people who will try to influence Christians, but only those Christians who are strong, who know what they know about the Lord, and who are strong in their understanding and their faith, they are the ones who will be actively participating and taking action in the battle to win it. Well, Paul was very much aware of this battle. And so as he gets into the Corinthians, he was saying to them, uh, I want you to know, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. Hear Paul as a pastor. I struggle for your growth. I struggle on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that he's struggling that their hearts, again, would be knit um, together in love, attaining to the, all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. And so through Paul and through being a disciple of, of, of the Holy Spirit, you understand that your invitation is to have a solid, steadfast, clear-eyed, understanding faith that your faith is not just seeking understanding. Your faith is seeking Jesus, who gives you the understanding. And by having that focus, Paul was trying to get people who didn't have that focus to shape up and, and make sure they don't lose their focus. But there are two things that are going to take you away and distract you from the focus. One is the externals. And Jesus would say in the parable of the soil that when the sun had risen, there was those group of people, when they had the external influences of the sun and the heat and the pressure, they were scorched because they had no root. The external things that would would keep you distracted from going deeper with the Lord uh, are those external temptations and distractions. But there's not just the externals, they're the internals. And so Jesus would go on to explain a little bit later in Matthew. He says, these, these little plants don't have a root system yet. They're still developing and yet, they're only temporarily responding, but when affliction or persecution arise, arises because of the word, immediately these young plants fall away. The idea that God wants the Corinthians to have this foundation in Christ, to have convictions in Christ, to have the rootedness in Christ, that they wouldn't respond to the external or the internal issues that would take them away from Christ. So he would write to the Colossians as he would write to the Corinthians and he would write to the Thessalonians. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk, now notice the verbs, walk in him, having been firmly rooted in him, being built up in him and established in your faith in him, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Did you get that list? 
Notice what Paul said. If you've received Christ, and how did you receive Christ? Well, you received him by faith. It's a gift of faith. It's not of yourselves, lest you boast. But Christ gives you the gift of enlightenment to see your own need for salvation, your own need for a Savior, and the grace to believe that he is everything that he says he is. But having received Christ, notice what has to happen for those Christians to follow Christ. He says, walk in him, being rooted in him. And you're those who are green thumbers and planting plants. You know what root systems need. But now you're being built up. You need miracle growth. You need nutrients. You need lots of stuff to grow. But your verb is to be established. What's the root of established? Stable. Solid. Grounded. As you were instructed. Now notice the Colossians had to be instructed. It doesn't take place automatically because you're privately kind of sitting alone and, my Jesus, my Savior. You're in a community of called into a kingdom community where everybody's sharing the stories. But if you have been instructed, you're grateful for those men and women who have invested their time in helping you, investing in you, discipling you, to help you listen to you and the questions that you have as a young plant growing up in Christ. Well, this is what, what happened to the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, Philip was walking along, and the Spirit says, Philip, go join, join that chariot. He ran up, and he heard this guy reading Isaiah, the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy scratched his head and did the Columbo. Uh, I don't know, sure I know that. Well, now, how could I unless someone guides me? I don't know who's guiding you now. Even at this stage in your life, who's having the input to help you become not just rooted and grounded and established, but to continue to grow in those riches of Christ. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Have you ever invited somebody to come in and sit with you to explain to you something? Well, this week, for, for whatever reason, I think God has just made me aware that there are a number of people who have no one to talk to, and they're struggling without having any faith, and they're kind of like a, a weeping willow in a 90-mile-an-hour wind. And when it comes to faith, they can't focus on Christ because they're only focused on the circumstances that are pressing in on them. A number of situations, and we've heard them this morning. So it's so easy just to get your eyes off of Christ and focus on the circumstances, but you forget that Christ is the Lord of your circumstance, and he will walk with you in that. I saw so many testimonies of, of Christians who are leaving the faith, pastors who are leaving the faith this week. And I thought, you know, if you're listening to the YouTube and you're listening to the person at work, you're going to hear a whole lot of things that will challenge and make you rethink what you think because, well, it's just human nature. There was a study given there was a psychological research project done where a woman, <clears throat> uh, where a, a researcher set up a, a tripod with a laser light, uh, pointed a beam on the wall. And that beam was fixed, it didn't move. But there were nine people that were brought in to say 
They were trained to say, when you're asked a question, is that light moving? And uh, their answers were, oh, yes, it's moving. They were trained to say, oh, yes, it's moving. And, uh, and then the 10th person was brought in to see if that 10th person would be influenced by the previous nine. Well, the, they brought the lady in, number 10, and the first one was, is that light moving? Yes, it's moving. The second, is it moving? Mm, I think so. Third person says, oh, yes. I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's up and down. I can see it. And they went through nine people, and all of them said the false, that it is moving, it's moving. And I was, yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, if you're the 10th person, and you've heard nine testimonies, what do you think the person would say in light of all the data that she heard from the nine previous people? Would she say, you guys are nuts. This is not moving. That's not moving at all. Or would she say, yeah, I, man, I'm sure it don't look awkward here. Don't be the only one that says something different. But what, what do you think the research was? Depending upon the conviction of each person brought in, if they had an objective, an awareness, and they weren't being influenced by those outsiders, those who said, it's not moving, were stronger in resisting the influences of people and groups because they were thinking for themselves. Well, not everybody does that because a lot of people are being influenced by Others who are saying it is moving, or the Bible is not true, or you can't believe in the Holy Spirit, or you, can't, you don't have to believe in the resurrection, and you're going to get these messages coming in. So much so that what we're going to get into later on, not today, but there are people who are going deconversion. There's, there's an exodus from the exodus. And so they're going back, they're going back to the old ways, and uh, if you go to deconversion therapy, these groups, they're almost making a business of getting people out of the church, and that's happening. But Jesus says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. And so there's the same dangers taking place in Corinth in a number of ways. And so not just Corinth, but all these New Testament churches in Galatians, Paul would say, I am amazed. And you can hear Paul say this today. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. I'm amazed how quickly you turn and you follow some influence of some legalistic prof, false prophet. They're disturbing you and they want to distort the gospel. But if we or an angel should preach something different, uh-oh. It doesn't say uh-oh. It just says uh, they're accursed. This is not a new phenomenon. I want you to know this. Don't be surprised at the ordeal when people are moving in and out. Jesus had the same thing. Remember in John 6 when the multitudes, the multitudes at, a, at a high point in the ministry where things were really moving, and then Jesus comes up in John 6 and makes this sentence that says, oh, man, he blew it. He shouldn't have said that. He should retract. No, no, he didn't do that. John 6. Therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard that Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. 
oh man, he's lost it. He wants me to be accountable. And you think about the literal, they, what? And when you come to the point where you don't understand Jesus, what do you do? Is it moving? Is it true? Jesus is nuts. Jesus is good. What do you do when you don't understand God and somebody comes in and fills in what you should think about God? Who are you going to follow? Jesus said to Peter and the disciples, because they were also caught up in this movement, he says, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, as he always is, conscious that his disciples grumbled, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? You're going to trip over this one? Wait till you see heaven. When glory reveals itself, if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before, Acts 1, and they did, were they ready? Was their faith ready for the advanced level? Not at this point, but they were being tested. It is the Spirit, 663. Underline this or mark it in your Bible. And if you don't believe this, you're going to be one of these nine being influenced. It is the Spirit who gives life. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Do you believe that? Without the Spirit of God, all that you do is empty, meaningless, because it's your own doing. But when the Spirit of God comes in, and Jesus said, there are some of you who don't believe. Jesus said, you don't believe. Can you imagine Jesus saying that today? He knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And so he was saying, for this reason, I've said to you, that no one can come to the Father. Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, Chesterlanders. God's at work drawing every spirit to himself. And that spirit has to respond in faith. When the, when the person hears Christ, they respond. But... No one can come unless it's been granted to him, unless he's been graced and called. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. And it was a turning point in the ministry because when Jesus was very popular, there was an exodus of people. Now, who was going to be left? For you, it's the same thing. If Christ were to come today, would you be one of the few who run to Christ or walk away. Now we as a believer, believing Christian church, we want to see ourselves run to Christ. But it is the spirit who gives life. It's the spirit who draws life. It's the spirit who gives you the devotion. If you're not listening to the spirit, you're going to be drawn away. So let me ask you some questions. And answer these. Take these home, write these down. And I want you to answer. Why do you follow Christ? What motivates you? What keeps you going? And if somebody were to say, well, you're a Christian, you go to that church and you read your Bible, but why do you do all that stuff? Can you answer your question, that question? What motivates you to follow Christ? Because I will submit to you that what motivates most American Christians today is not what motivated 
the early disciples. What motivates most Christians today is not what motivates the early disciples because they were convinced that this was the Messiah. They were convinced that there's only one Son of God who said, here is my Son, hear ye him. They were focused on the person and the work of Christ. A lot of things today are like, well, I want Jesus to do this for me. He didn't do this for me, so I'm going to... Show me your will, and if it's in mine, I'll follow it. Second question. If you were Satan and you wanted to wipe you out, how would he do that? Put it in another way. What would motivate you to stop following Christ? Is there anything... What would stop you? Now, be honest, because there's some things, if you're not aware of these, because you're most vulnerable if you're blind to it. But the third question, I would say, okay, if you want to leave Christ and say this to those who are leaving Christ, what, what are you gaining? What, what's the world offering you? Why are you pursuing this direction when you know this is what God's offered? And so to turn away from Christ, what are you turning to? Well, Therefore, this is the paraphrased version for the deconstructed community. Therefore, as you have rejected Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk away from him. Having now been firmly uprooted, your roots, and now being deconstructed and established in your unbelief, just as you were misinstructed and overflowing with self-gratitude. That just doesn't seem to be in line with the Holy Spirit. But Paul was really concerned. And he said, and you should be concerned. I am afraid. Now, that's not something you would hear from an apostle. Paul is confident and strong. Afraid, Paul? He says, yes, because there's a real spiritual battle that this battle would take you away from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. And what Christ wants for you to be strong, Satan wants you to be weak. And so here is a pattern that I have seen when people who are leaving the faith, this seems to be the pattern. The lines of attack for those who have left the faith, as I hear them, they say, well, there's a science issue, and science and, and the Bible don't conflict, or they conflict. And so there's an argument there, there's an excuse there, but, or if it's, not, if it's not the Bible, it's the church. Well, the people in the church, they're just not dealing with the realities that I have to deal with. And therefore, I don't like the church. They're old. They're, they're kind of empty. It's kind of boring. And the church really doesn't have anything to say to me. And so there's a lot of critique about the church from those who are leaving the church. And then, but they notice, the thing that I noticed about these people on, on the YouTube is they never talk about Christ. They will talk about the Bible, they'll talk about the church, they'll talk about society, they'll talk about whatever, but they never get to Christ. It stops. Because if you get to Christ, everything changes. But before Christ, Paul would warn them, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy. And notice the phrases that Paul uses. Empty, hollow, deception. According to the tradition of men, the elementary principles of the world, the assumptions, rather than according to Christ. Rather than according to Christ. If you talk about Christ, you're focused, you're stayed, you're solid, you're strong. 
If you don't talk about Christ, you'll talk about something and you'll get distracted. And therefore, <clears throat> Paul would say, or the writers of Hebrews would say, take care, brethren, that there wouldn't be any, uh, any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that would fall away from the living God. Well, this week, I'm just going to close it with this. This week, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been struggling with doubt or struggling with discouragement or just feeling overwhelmed <clears throat> that you can't figure it all out. Anybody figure it all out yet? I haven't figured it all out yet. <clears throat> but it was so easy this week and simple and gracious of the Lord in my, in my devotion in Psalm 62. I just want to share this in close. Psalm 62 just, it settled me. It just, ah, Jerry, it's so simple. It's really that simple. He says this, David, my soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, and I will not greatly be shaken. Isn't that good? God is your rock. God is your strength. God is your source. <clears throat> but they have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. Don't listen to them. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. He says it two times. On God, my salvation and my glory rest, the rock of my strength and my refuge. So trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him at all times. God is a refuge for us. So let me just say this. <clears throat> if you as a Christian ever have struggles or questions or you're being influenced, don't leave the fellowship. Stay involved and ask honest questions to the believers because what I've noticed with those who are leaving the church, they will listen to non-Christians, but they won't be balanced. There's a lopsidedness, and so they won't listen to their elders. They won't listen to the deacons. They won't listen to their grandparents. They won't listen to those godly men who have faith. But you listen honestly, and the church is the place where honest questions are answered with a humble heart. And if you have that heart and you have that focus on Christ, that you won't be shaken. There's to be open. You'll be listening. But you know who he is. And therefore, state upon Jehovah, it is well with my soul. You will have peace like a river. You'll be steadfast and strong. What you're going to find coming up in the next several chapters is the Corinthians are going to be pushed by sexuality in their culture like we are, and they don't they could compromise easily. They're gonna go into issues of of litigation and, and conflict and problems in the church of gifting and emotionalism. But all it's gonna to come to the issue of how do you be a Christian in a world that's saying all these voices, you focus on Christ. And if that's there, then you can rest. So Christians you're called to rest. I invite you to that, that place. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you know our needs.
Thank you that you know how to give us hope. Thank you that you know what to deal with the issues of doubt. But thank you that you love us. Help us now, we pray. Give us that sensitivity to your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.